Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast where we are rediscovering the ancient way. Thank you for tuning into the program today. We are going to finish up the ongoing series of afflicting ourselves, the, the purpose within Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement. And, and we have looked how afflicting ourselves, humbling ourselves was the main focus. And it, it's not just about us and what we do or what we don't do. It is, it is primarily about us receiving the work of the great high priest. Um, to, to use the metaphor of what used to be, you know, and how they literally, the, 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 the people of Yahweh would stay in their homes, in their dwellings, and they would kindle a fire, and they would bask in the beautiful, incredible, seemingly impossible work of the high priest on their behalf. And now we, we rest in the beautiful work of great high priest and we receive and we receive and we receive in humility his work and his atoning work that we could never do on our own. And so we're doing what has always been, um, except now we have a, a literal great high priest who is even now the mediator Messiah on our behalf. And I just want to speak to this for just a moment because in the in the couple of minutes in between part two and the recording now, this one, part three, I just felt like I could hear the chorus of Christianity speaking to this point in what I'm presenting, which is, Joel, I always live every day in humility before my master. I just, I don't need a day of atonement. That's, that's old news now. I don't need a day of atonement. I'm always in the atonement. I'm always in the finished work of Messiah. And let me just speak to that for a moment because I feel like I feel like I have a, a chair to sit in towards that. I remember when I first started opening myself to to learn about feasts and Sabbath. And in in my 46 years of Christian upbringing had catalogs of of doctrine and information that really prohibited me from just willingly and openly receiving uh, just understanding towards feasts and Sabbath and, and, and the perpetuity of them. And so I'd have to continually just sift through that and, and put it on the altar and burn it and just kind of, in a sense, start over towards clearing the slate of everything I had been taught towards that specifically. And I remember, I remember like it was just yesterday, one morning I was sitting with a bunch of brothers. Uh, we would meet every week, and, and I, was just, I was just telling them kind of where I was along my journey very early on, two years ago. And I just remember saying one day specifically about how I just stayed in that place of, of worship or of Sabbath rest, you know, like that's that's what I always do. I'm always doing that now in in Yeshua. <laughs> and I remember even talking about Sabbath, like I I I feel like my life is always set apart and holy and and I try to just remain. I try to just dwell in the rest of the Father. But I remember one brother just so kindly saying to me, but, but Joel, what about, what about Yahweh's day? What about the day he made and he spoke and he, 
He designated and marked, as now I understand, the Moedim understanding. What about the day when he said, on this day I will come and meet with you? Like, it's an appointment made by the Father. It's not up to me. It's not, no, 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 no. I don't really live out the fourth commandment because now I'm in something greater. I realize that's what was revealed in my heart. I, my, my pride had exalted myself in the, in the era we live in post-Yeshua to, to replace Yahweh's beautiful Moedim days, which is what we've already talked about in part one, and we talk about in every program pretty much that we touch on feasts and Sabbaths. They're the feasts of Yahweh Elohim. They're not a people's feasts. They're His. Just like the Moedim understanding. Moedim are appointed times when Yahweh said, On this day I will come and meet with you. I'm showing up to reveal myself to you. I'm showing up right here to talk to you. And friend, if we think we can just have that 24-7 willy-nilly in Jesus, we have, we have missed something beautiful. We have missed something. We've misappropriated what Yeshua accomplished, I would say, when he came. And so in light of what I'm sharing, I believe it would do us good to realize there is something about a marked Moedim understanding of this day was set in stone by Yahweh Elohim, just like the Sabbath. That was the point I was getting to. I said, I want this day remembered, period. This is my day. (laughs) And that's why this is beautiful in light of what we're talking about. Afflicting ourselves, I would put out there to you, should you not do feasts or Sabbath, part of the affliction is humbling yourself to to the feast days of the Lord. You don't have to. But we're going to be doing Sukkot, tabernacles in, in the millennial kingdom. And it's, it, the scripture says clearly, no one can argue the point. If you don't, you will be cursed if you don't show up for tabernacles. Well, if that's been eradicated and it doesn't matter to me now, why in the and it did then and it will in the future, why am I exempt from it now? It just doesn't make sense. If we're really trying to live as submitted individuals in a kingdom authority, in a governmental system that's not according to the calendars of men. And so I just feel compelled to share that, knowing that there are people who will watch this that, of course, just don't observe feasts and Sabbath. I would just say as a consideration, maybe maybe you should again look into it and do it, you know, instead of, well, I prayed about it and I don't feel like I'm supposed to. Well, I could say that about a number of things in the Bible that I will just miss unless I just say, you know what? I need to do this. (laughs) The seventh day is a Sabbath unto Yahweh Elohim, period. It's It's not up to my opinion or whether I pray and feel like I'm supposed to. I've been told. (laughs) I don't know. I felt compelled to share that, and perhaps it's too much, and if it is and got sidetracked, I apologize. So we're talking about afflicting ourselves. Now I want to talk for a few minutes. We talked about um, how Yeshua continued this this humbling ourselves uh, principle throughout all of his teachings. If you if you want to be greatest, you've got to humble yourself. You've got to follow his patterns, like the Philippians two verse that we showed. And you, he humbled himself unto death. He laid himself low. 
Well, and we have to talk about, well, what did that mean? He submitted himself to the governmental authority of his father, period. That is the epitome of being without sin. We understand that. I talked about that the last series that we did. Being without sin means something. It looks like something. It's perfectly keeping the commands and law of Yahweh. That's what it actually is. And so let's, I'm going to try to speed through this better this time and not go too far. I should have done this better, I understand. So we looked at the New Testament verses and we concluded part two with this caporet understanding, the covering that Yeshua Messiah became on our behalf and how beautiful that is. And so what are we afflicting and humbling? Because that's the scripture in Leviticus 16, clearly the instruction for atonement. And again, I believe every day in measure as well as a marked Moedim day is to humble ourselves. Well, what are we humbling? And the Hebrew word in Leviticus 16 and other places is nefesh. It is our souls. It is what makes us us. Um, and I like the imagery about that. And and the word, if you look into this nefesh, is is very very connected to the appetite, the will, and and that's why I want to I want to make this connection. Why why fasting, yes and amen, should be a component because when you start understanding the nefesh and its its definition of being related to appetite, your desire. You, you can make the connection easily to fasting because, man, we know in a prophesied age, which is probably here already, that, that the gods of, of men will be their bellies. We're driven by a, a lustful appetite. Not just food, but that's, that is a component. We consume what we want and what we desire, and I want that, and I want that, and I want that. This comfort, this, this ease, this desire. Uh, but it is often related to the appetite. And just some verses, uh, Proverbs 23 talks about this. Put a knife to your throat if you be a man given to appetite. Nefesh, okay? Um, Psalm 107.9, he satisfies, Yahweh satisfies the longing soul, the longing nefesh. And here's the verbiage continued. And he fills the hungry soul, the nefesh, with goodness. And so we see appetite, we see hunger, we see longing. And this continues. And this is just a few examples. Proverbs 27, verse 7. The full soul, the full nephesh, loathes a honeycomb. Think about, think about when you sit down at the buffet and you're just like, you gorge yourself on everything that you can eat. <laughs> Unlimited food, no, no limit. And how you feel once you've accomplished whatever convinces you you're full. And that feeling of just like, almost, we could just say disgust if we're honest. You almost feel sick. And then so the full soul loathes a honeycomb. So imagine after that, you know, 45 minutes at the buffet and you're leaning back in regret at your fifth plate. And somebody says, hey. You want two pieces of apple pie? Oh, gosh. Please, no, right? Oh, I can't do it, right? And so just like that, the full soul loathes a honeycomb, but the hungry soul, the hungry nefesh, every bitter thing 
is sweet. So when your soul is hungry and and not just already satisfied, I would say, by all the things of the world and the appetites and lusts of the natural man, even bitter things are going to be sweet. I'll take this and I'll take this and I'll take this to feed my nefesh, to feed my soul because I'm hungry. Used other verses that aren't even within this text. It's the same understanding as like, you know, the, the, the imagery that we're given in the scriptures about the, the deer panting for the water. It's, it's thirsting. It's, it's desiring and needing more. And here's a Isaiah 56 to culminate this point. There are these men that the scripture talks about are greedy dogs, and they can never satisfy their souls, their nephesh. They can never get enough. They've, they're, they're finding satisfaction in all these other places, and it never truly fills and satisfies the hunger of the soul, the, the appetite. There's many more verses we can talk about um, about this, but, but let's move on to this. We're going to bring this to a close here in a few minutes. And, and, and in doing so, and I, I talked about that at the end of part two, how I would like to propose another possibility of how we might afflict ourselves. Now I missed that one. We talked about it. Another way to humble ourselves before Yahweh Elohim and before men, before our brothers, before our, our neighbors, before people in the workplace. And it's directly, in my opinion, it's directly related to um, the atonement understanding in Scripture. I think, I think it's the same. Even, even though it has nothing to do with atonement or Yom Kippur in any way whatsoever, I believe the pattern we'll see in this man, David, gives us another example of, of how we can do that. Um, I'll read the text and then we'll go from there. 2 Samuel 6.14, David danced before Yahweh Elohim with all his might, wearing a priestly garment. So David and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of Yahweh Elohim with shouts of joy and the blowing of ram's horns. Okay, so, so we know this account, um, how, how David had prepared a place for the glory and presence of, of Yahweh himself to dwell. And so even in this text specifically, and again, this is why it makes sense to me, because follow the imagery here of what David is even wearing. He is wearing the priestly garment. And so he, he's dancing before the Lord, and what is he doing? And, and I believe that this could also be pointing us to an example of one Anah before Yahweh and men. And, and the reason is because of this, if I can just kind of elaborate. Just like we talked about with Job, I think it was part one, I don't know, I've lost track. We talked about how Job was, was laid low, embarrassed, and um, I don't remember the word. I want to try to remember that because we talked about Job and, and I made this connection over the weekend when I shared this. Um, he lost his dignity. He had his dignity removed before all men. And that that is the understanding. I believe this is just the complexity and beauty of the scriptures is the wording when Job's bowstring was undone and he was a nah by Yahweh before men he had been ravished, is the, is the way that word was used. His dignity had been removed, so, okay? So take that now, the same understanding that's before us. Yahweh Elohim desires to put us in the same position, if you will, I believe. 
to be a base before men, laid bare, like David here in 2 Samuel 6, uh, 6, verse 14, wearing priestly garments, we'll note, he danced before the Lord. Now his wife, what did she say? You look like a fool, David. Don't you know who you are? And that's the beautiful connection with Job, is David was willing to look foolish in the eyes of men to exalt his master. He was willing to look like an absolute idiot in the eyes of men. And he did. There's no it's not like, well, she didn't have she didn't have the eyes of the spirit to see. Friends, seriously, let's not exalt ourselves to be like so super spiritual. How many times have you done something so exuberant in front of others? Well, I did that ten years ago. If you only knew what I okay, so what are we doing today? Today, though, are we in the midst of others? Are we in the company of other men? willingly doing whatever the unction of Holy Spirit stirs us to live out, to say, to declare, to foolishly announce to all of creation, I don't care about my dignity. I don't care about my identity. David was a king, y'all, the most powerful man in the land, okay? His reputation meant way more than very likely yours or mine. Yet he still, compelled by the unction of the overwhelming desire to praise the name of Yahweh Elohim, wearing a priestly garment, danced before the Lord in the company of, the, of whoever was there to see it, embarrassing himself, pointing us, I believe, to another example of a man, Anah, laid low the highest, most esteemed man of the land, the king, taking off his royal identity to dance unashamedly before the Lord. He laid aside, foolishly we would say from a natural perspective, his position in order to openly declare his love for Yahweh. No dignity. The imagery, I believe, is within that as well. And I say that because there are a lot of people like myself, and I shared this with, with, with a little more time, just in a confession um, with our group Saturday of just saying, you know, I still don't do this enough. I don't, I don't deny my, my own reputation enough to do something deemed exuberant, to praise, to worship, to, to, to more just freely open my, myself before men to declare the good works of my Father. I don't do that enough. Or, I don't put myself in circumstances enough where I could do that. Where other men could look at me and say, whether they say, that guy looks like a complete fool, or, I want to know who his Elohim is. <laughs> they wouldn't say that, of course, but who's he talking to? Who's he talking about? You know what I'm saying? I want to be more like that. I want to be more like, I need to be more like that is what I should say more appropriately. I should be more like that. It's up to me. It's up to you. How exuberantly we lay aside our reputations, our image, and openly declare that we are anah, afflicting ourselves and humbling ourselves because of the work of the great high priest. And so in absolute closing, there's a few things I just want to read here. Um... And let, let's just do this, and then we'll kind of bring it to, a, to an end. The main purposes of, of Day of Atonement, to willingly humble ourselves 
in order to be rightly prepared for what is to come. Friends, we are in that time frame. If you follow feasts or whether you don't, it doesn't really much matter to us individually. This is a timeline of Yahweh, period. And it's an invitation to come in. Whether we're in or not is really irrelevant. Time is moving on, and Yahweh's ways will be accomplished, as he said, period. Our involvement is up to us. It's individually upon us to decide whether or not we will join into the ongoing work and be informed and knowledgeable towards his seasons, his times, his appointed times. We have to lay ourselves low now, practicing for the greater If we're on the earth, or our children or our grandchildren, posturing them to generationally be a set-apart, holy, consecrated people, keeping feasts and Sabbath and observing Yahweh's ways, so that when the day or the hour that no one knows comes, and the trumpet blasts and Yeshua comes, we are postured, or the generations who follow us are postured to be anah humbled, denying ourselves, ready, 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 ready to rule and reign alongside the great high priest. And so secondly, we must receive the work of the great high priest, Yeshua Messiah. We have got to receive it. We've got to receive all that he's doing on on our behalf in constant. That's what drives us to humility. That's That's why I want to do atonement. That's why I want to observe Yom Kippur. It's not, well, I have to do that. I get to sit down on a day and kindle a fire and do nothing but be infatuated with. Because I'm not working. I'm literally entering a Sabbath rest on a marked Moedim day where Yahweh said, I'm doing something special on this day. And what is it? He is pouring out to me the understanding of the high priestly work on my behalf that I receive and I receive and that I receive on this beautiful day of atonement. Now, in closing, I've got got several pages of notes that are just kind of personal explanations of why I feel this is so important right now to, in this moment, it's it's halfway through September 2021. Now, this was very specifically applicable to the fellowship I'm a part of in its own unique way that really is touching my heart still. But I would propose this to you. Well, why does this matter today? Because it matters. It will matter. It did matter. And why does it matter? I believe this is how we should live our lives. How do these things that we study in the Word of God, what were they? What are they? What will they be? And what are they more specifically in that vein right here, right now, this absolute very second in time? And I would say we are in an age, friend. We are in an age when those who are going to be marked by Yahweh Elohim are going to be the ones who have humbled themselves to his will and to his way to the utmost. We are in an age, I believe we're entering it in in much greater measure, probably in mere months, to be specific, of a season of sorrows and trial and testing like, like we have not known, surely not known in this nation, and maybe not known in history, because judgment is coming. And as, I, as I've been sharing, and this will be brief, 
through the understanding that I'm adding to my life of the Havel wording in, in Ecclesiastes, throughout Ecclesiastes, which we have poorly translated meaningless, which is this Havel, through the Hebrew understanding, is perplexing. I look at this, I can't make sense of it. It doesn't seem right. Bad things happen to righteous men, and good things, blessing comes to evil men. I don't understand. And friends, I'm telling you, unless we understand that, and unless we grasp the the necessity of afflicting ourselves now, we will not be ready to walk into this season that's before us here on the earth. We will fight it. We will push it away. We will close our eyes and try to look away and pretend it's not happening. We will doubt. I believe that's why there's a great falling away and a revival equally so. Because many people will buck it and say, this is not the work of God. This is not his way. He promised blessing. That's what all the pastors, preachers, evangelists, prophets are saying. I was supposed to be spared this. I was supposed to be removed or protected from this. This was not supposed to affect me. They told me I couldn't get sick. Let's just really speak to the hour. That evangelist told me I would be immune to this suffering. Friends, no. No. We will be affected. And the only way we are going to make it is if now we choose to deliberately afflict and humble ourselves and embrace the humility that is coming to us here and now on the earth. That is the only way. Because, friend, there are things coming to your house in a season that's right upon us that you will not be able to explain or understand. And the key will be for the true, marked, consecrated people of Yahweh Elohim are the ones who have that... that, that uh, First mention understanding of Anah, which is, I am a servant, I am a slave, and I willingly place myself underneath the authority of the master of all things. And if something comes to me or to my house that I don't understand or think is fair, I hit the floor, I cry for mercy, and I say, your will be done, because I am not the master of this kingdom. And friends, that is the only way that will posture and prepare us for a season that is to come in the millennial kingdom where those who have already been doing that and who do that on the Moedim Mark days in a rehearsal, we know that's what a holy convocation is. We know that's what feasts and Sabbath are now. It is a constant pressing into us. It's literally, I feel like that's what the Spirit's saying in this second right here, is if we are humble and contrite in heart, if we are broken down, if to, let's use the clay and the potter understanding. If we are clay, he, can, he, he desires to impress upon us his Moedim ways, his feasts, his Sabbath. He wants to impress those upon us now so that when it comes in fullness, we've already received the pressing. We've already received the indentation. And what is that, friends? The mark of the potter, the mark of the maker-creator upon his people, consecrated, set apart, holy ones, who have already willingly denied, abased, afflicted, and humbled themselves to be a people who receive the ways of Yahweh Elohim. I believe that's the purpose in Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, 
And that's the purpose of our lives every single day from here until we breathe our laughs. last. And friends, unless we are postured in this way, we are going to be we're going to be broken and crushed under the weight in a day that's to come because I don't I don't believe it's going to make sense and we will be overwhelmed and we are not called to be overwhelmed pressed 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 but not crushed persecuted but not abandoned friends please listen to what I'm saying we have got to afflict ourselves for what is to come if we want to be a people who endure to the end, and he who endures to the end will be the one who is saved. It is yet to be determined if I will be saved. I'm a new creation, but whether or not I'll be saved is a, is a future tense moment for me and for you. So, friend, we've been talking about afflicting ourselves, the purpose within Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement, receiving the beautiful work of our great high priest, Yeshua Messiah. I hope you know him. And I don't mean just have mental ascent where you were putting some water 45 years ago and you're good. I mean, do you intimately walk with him? If not, reach out to us. Podcast at gmail.com. I don't know much, but I know enough to walk you into the presence of the king where you have the option to humble yourself and submit to his will and to his perfect ways. I pray that you do that today. If you don't do feasts and Sabbath, I just in humility put it out before you. Say, why not? Why not? Why not? Why not? (laughs) It's a beautiful, beautiful thing I could never put into words. Thank you for watching. This is the Path to Zion podcast. We are rediscovering the ancient way the best we know how. Thank you for watching. Amen.